Imagine you're seated at a polished mahogany table, negotiating a deal that could make or break your future. The tension is palpable, the stakes are high, and then suddenly, an unexpected revelation from your counterpart changes everything. Congratulations, you've just stumbled upon what's known as a black swan, a game changer in the world of negotiation. So, welcome to our third and final part of the book we reviewed a number of times now, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. This is a book by a former FBI agent giving us his secrets to negotiating. So in this episode, we're going to delve into the captivating realm of black swans, the elusive, unexpected information that can pivot negotiation and shift power balances. So this draws insights on the book, uh, Never Split the Difference, as mentioned. Please go back and listen to our first two parts of that uh, of this book. And in this one, we're just going to decode what these black swans are, why they're crucial, and how to discover them in your negotiations. So whether you're negotiating a million-dollar contract, a business deal, navigating a disagreement with a co-worker, or simply trying to persuade your kids to do their homework or go to bed at the allocated time, Understanding and leveraging this black swan can make the difference between a compromise and a victory. So let's find out what a black swan is. Yeah, what the heck are black swans anyway? Chris Voss borrowed the term black swan from the world of finance, if you believe it. Not from ballet, as you might expect. (laughs) And and it's from probability theory within finance, where it was popularized by statistician and former options trader Nassim Nicholas Taleb in his 2007 book, The Black Swan, The Impact of the Highly Improbable. It sounds like something that you would read before going to bed. That's what you read before going to sleep. (laughs) It puts you to sleep. That's okay. (laughs) I was about to say, this is what you read and what people read. We are a book club here. We need to keep it up target. Now, as soon as I read that as well, I was like, oh, man, we have to do that book soon. Maybe it will keep us awake. But historically, a black swan referred to something considered impossible or non-existent. The term, come from, the term comes from old Western beliefs that all swans are white, as European explorers hadn't encountered a black swan until they discovered Australia, where black swans are native. Thus, a black swan became a metaphor for something that is extremely rare, unexpected, and has significant impact. Have you seen a black swan before yourself? I've seen one in some James Park in London. Ah. And also, you've seen the book The Ugly Duckling, right? Yeah, I'm talking to one right now. Thank you. Because you know it grows into a beautiful swan, right? So I'm still waiting for that. I don't know why you're waiting for me to. What type of weird lifestyle? <laughs> You have weird options in your world. Go ahead. I have very weird options in my world. But in, in the context of uh, Voss's book, a black swan refers to a critical piece of information that are not typically anticipated. However, when they are revealed by the other party, they have a significant impact on the course of the negotiation. So just as discovering a black swan was a surprise to the Europeans that had invaded Australia, it changed the understanding of nature. So uncovering the black swan in a negotiation can dramatically change our understanding of the situation itself 
and also change our strategy in the negotiation. So let, let, let me give you like a, a short story from uh, maybe like about two, three weeks ago. Um, I, I recently bought a new car and I'm not going to tell you the car brand or the, um, or the dealership that I was at, but essentially I bought an electric car. And um, as, as some people might know, electric car, they typically come either in two or three different range. And typically it's a short range or a long range. Short range means that in my case, you can drive like 200 miles. A long range, you can drive, I don't know, 270 miles. You know, it's quite a bit of difference. So I was in the market for a long range car. And I came across what I think is like the best deal that I can get. It's long range. It's got the specs that I want. It's got a panoramic roof. Clearly, I'm, I'm that waste money, clearly. Um, so I get in touch with the, with the dealership and I get a test drive and along with the test drive, I get a bunch of information and I get quotations. So I'm, I'm in processions of paperwork that tells me that the car is a long range. I ask questions and get answers to which they indicate that the car is a long range. I get delivery of the car two weeks after that, cause you know, I'm happy with it and I buy it and I decide to enter in this uh, contract agreement with them. And when I receive the car, it's a short-range car. Now, you can imagine, like, the disappointment, anger, and upset that I get. Just, I, I, yeah, God. I just want to say, if I got... Because doesn't that mean if it's short-range, you're not going to reach where you're going, most likely, especially if you aim for a long-range car in the first place, right? <laughs> I mean, um, so... In short answer, yes, because I do a lot of driving. I do a lot of driving and mostly on the weekend. So that means if you've got a short-range car... It changes my my weekend from getting from A to B and back home to A to B and potentially having to charge up the car on the motorway, which is something I didn't want. I want that flexibility of getting from A to B and back home without having to charge. That it, that's yeah. why I was looking for it, right? Hmm. And um, I. I received the vehicle and I'm essentially not getting what what I want. And then I'm sitting there thinking, bloody hell, I've become like victim of a scam here <laughs> and I, st I started looking through the uh, to all the screenshots of the advert i've taken the, all the paperwork i was given looking at the car itself looking at the spec models checking out the registration plates online and you know I i'm not crazy that that's the first thing i wanted to answer am i crazy Did I ride the wrong car no I, w I was actually given the wrong car or more like i was given the car that i bought but it was falsely advertised and typically those kind of things happen, but they only happen orally. So, you know, the dealership will promise you the world. They promise you you have a Ferrari and then they give you like a Fiat Panda. <laughs> and uh, all, the, all of that stuff is oral, meaning that you're going to prove and you can't do anything with it. But in my case, I have paperwork. Like this doesn't happen. I, I basically have something that doesn't usually happen, but that wasn't my black swan. As a matter of fact, I, I got in touch with uh, the dealership. I started complaining about it, and I wasn't really moving along very quickly. So I decided to take methods in my own hands, and I found the CEO of the dealership on uh, on the internet, and I got in touch directly with the CEO of the dealership. Now, things started moving very quickly um, because, of course, I had in my hands proof that was demonstrating that what I was promised or told that uh, that I would be buying is actually incorrect from what delivered. Now, where the black swan comes in is um, something that they told me that I didn't really make much of it at the time, but I realized was quite important. In the sales process, 
they mentioned multiple times that they were one of the best dealerships in the country. As a matter of fact, this particular dealership had actually won awards. And what that meant is that they had a reputation. Now, typically, you will go to someone and tell them, look, I'm upset about this and I'm going to write you a terrible Google review. And they're like, great, you do that and you're going to be like one, one amongst many. But in my particular case, because I had the proof that uh, what was sold to me was different from what I received, and also because I had that, uh, uh, that understanding now that Black Swan, that uh, reputation was really important to them, I was able to connect the two together. And when I wrote to the CEO, I very, very bluntly told the, the person, I was like, look, if this doesn't get resolved, not only am I going to be raising this as a dispute with the uh, motor embossment, but I'm also going to be going to the press. And specifically, I have found some uh, editorial point of contacts around the area where I purchased the car from and uh, given him the, the names as well. So the Black Swan was that they cared about the reputation and they were building a brand over their reputation. And I had inadvertently come across it and started using that to my advantage for the for the negotiation. And suddenly the conversation moved from them not being able to to do anything for me to them being able to give me exactly the card that I wanted, potentially at their loss. But I finally got what I wanted because I was able to identify that particular detail that changed the tone of the conversation altogether. I like that you say potentially at their loss. Wasn't the alternative at your loss? <laughs> <laughs> the alternative was at, was at my loss, but uh, now the solution that they found potentially is at their loss. Mm. Well, yeah, this is the benefits and power of a black swan, I guess. I think we should jump in. Well, that kind of starts us off on our next topic, right? It does indeed. So why are black swans even useful? Yeah, why are black swans useful at all? So for a split second, imagine... You are back in your childhood years. You're playing a game of hide and seek, and you're the one seeking. Now, your friend tells you that the person you're looking for is hiding inside the house. This is a piece of information you didn't know before, and it can change the way you play the game entirely. It should really change the way you play the game entirely. If you're still looking outside with this piece of information, you're special in a way that I didn't know. (laughs) But suddenly... You shouldn't waste your time like searching the garden, the garage, the basement. Like you'd focus all your energy on finding the perfect hiding spot inside the house. And that valuable clue your friend gave you is like a black swan. It's changed your the balance of power. And because it helps you play the game smarter and more efficiently, you're not just running around aimlessly, but you now have a direction. So in a real negotiation, finding a black swan is like getting that invaluable piece of information and it can reveal something important you didn't know about the other person, like what they really want or what they really need, which can help you make a better decision and also understand them more and eventually negotiating a better outcome for the both of you. So back in the case of the car that I bought, that invaluable piece of information was knowing that their reputation wasn't just something that they were claiming. It was something that was really real. And understanding how to play with that was crucial to me getting what I wanted. 
Mm. And it's funny because I know that it says a better outcome for both of you, but even in both examples we give, it's kind of like a win loss. <laughs> if you wanted the game to end fast by telling me it's inside the house, unless I have trust issues and I'm still checking that garden, then <laughs> it's likely I'm about to win. And then in the case of the car negotiations, and I think this happens beyond, like yours is an example of something that happened recently, but I'm sure everyone has that chart time where having that information is giving you the one up and you can probably not refer to it as a black swan, but it has like, or it's gone against you. Someone else is told where you're hiding. I feel, I feel like I'm the kid in the house right now who's been told. Someone else said he's in the cupboard. And I'm like, why are you telling them this information? <laughs> Mark, if you you got some trust issues. <laughs> I have lost. If someone told me, I'm 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 really thinking it to myself, and I'm thinking how it would be if my like my nephew, um, cause when he plays games and it's like, uh, and he, or he's trying playing hide and seek and he's trying to look and no one tells him like, nah, I'm just under the bed, chilling on my phone doing a Rubik's cube or something. What? <laughs> no, but you, you mentioned it. it's a good point, right? So, so my nephew is about eight years old, right? And he's really into Pokemons at the moment. Okay. He has a ton of cards, mm. and so do his friends. Like, they all have Pokemon cards. I mean, I remember Pokemon cards, they were a thing when I was young. Somehow they're still a thing. They clearly, like, hit jackpots. But anyway, mm-hmm. as, as you collect the cards, right? So you get a ton of doubles, and you, you can end up with two options. You just sell the doubles and make money and then buy more cards, or you trade them. So I'm sitting there and realizing that the kids are expert negotiators already in finding the black swans. So the, the, my nephew, for example, is always comparing the cards with his mates, so they know exactly what, what they have in each other's deck. And they know exactly what they want and what the mates have and what the mates want because they're always talking about it. They do this innocently almost, in a way. And then they sit down and they negotiate away. And they will say, like, you know, I will give you my Pikachu if you give me your Charizard. And that's that's the kind of like power of the black swan in a children's game. So because they know each other and what they want from each other and they know what they have, it becomes really easy for them to negotiate. Mm. And then it's funny because then you look at two adults negotiating and they're not telling each other what they want because they want the upper hand of one another and they both end up with a solution that sucks for both of them. But maybe we should take an example from the children that uh, they are more honest and... uh, and open to sharing what they want and what they have, and suddenly they get solutions that make both of them happy. I saw a, um, what's it called, a video on YouTube recently where this person was in a different country, uh, different country. They'd practically gone to Southeast Asia somewhere, and they were being sold a crystal. And there was a big, unrefined, like, block of crystal, whatever it was. And they were selling it to them for what seemed like it was like, I think maybe the equivalent to $15, maybe less. And they feel like the person did not know what they were selling. Uh, so they offered them $150 for it. And then they explained how what they had, they could sell each piece for $1,500. <laughs> and like all the comments are like, if that's how much crystals are selling for, I'm just about to buy and sell like crazy. Uh, but it's that, like in that, like firstly, I don't even know if that, the seller knew they were negotiating <laughs> and also without that power of like the information that the buyer had to hand they were yeah they they had a huge black swan and just a, a cash cow basically from what they were about to do especially if you have the markets for it it i do wonder though in our day in our normal um day-to-day how much we overlook or like just around us 
like I, I recall with my even my vinyl records that I own how much I found out they're worth. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I've just been treating this like paper and vinyl. Like, uh, and if someone came and offered me something, they'd have that power. It's that that information that is so, uh, I guess, critical or useful. Perfect segue for the next topic. Then let's look into how we can find black swans. Yeah. So how can we and yourselves find the black swan in the context of never split the difference? Because we are referring to this book, right? <laughs> a black swan refers to hidden, unexpected or under- underestimated information that can dramatically impact the negotiation. So these are the surprise elements that once revealed can provide you with an unanticipated advantage or shift the balance of power in your favor. As kids, of course, you can only care about getting, say, like Valeria mentioned, the Pikachu card that you really want. Actually, it's not like I didn't play uh, Pokemon. Let's say a, a Shan Charizard or something actually wild that you'd really want. So it's quite likely that you will strike a fair deal uh, unless you're aware the other kid doesn't know as much as you about Pokemon cards. Uh, adults, they're a bit trickier and they all they will want to keep the black swans close to their chest. And not let you learn that information. So to give you a better idea, let's explore some examples of what could be considered as black swans. So particularly, we've got 10 examples to go through, which hopefully will help you to assess situations when they arise. So firstly, look at the urgency of the deal. You might discover that the other party is under significant time pressure to close the deal, which could give you an edge in negotiation. A perfect example of this is someone trying to sell a house, for example, or a vehicle when they're moving abroad. When things start getting very, very close to the deadline, they will be in a rush to close that deal. Secondly, let's think about personal relationships. We've mentioned something similar to this in our previous episodes. So unearthing that the CEO of the company you're negotiating with is best friends with your cousin can drastically change the negotiation dynamics. It can go from a, we can't do this for you to just make it happen <laughs> within the space of a conversation, depending on how who you've built that personal relationship with. And I think we mentioned this in how important networking is in general. Yes, 100%. That specific example of my colleague that uh, had his ankle working for uh, or working alongside the managing director of a house construction company. Mm. But moving on to the third topic, hidden interest. Finding out that the other party has a personal or professional interest in your product, service, or company can provide a leverage. And the fourth one would be then external pressure. So uncovering that the other party is facing pressures from stakeholders, the market, or other external forces can give you insight into the negotiation approach. This could be very worrying if you're the one who has the pressures and you just have to maintain that like it's normal. Like the moment they find out you need this <laughs> and they're and they're fine. And it's like, hey, you've got all these things impacting you. Oh, I'll take my time. Or I I will yeah, domino effect and knock you on with um the fact that they're aware that I don't know, someone's calling you saying get home now. <laughs> but this is also quite quite relevant if uh, you're renting a property, for example, depending on which side of the equation you're on, whether you got the property to rent out or whether you're the one renting, sometimes that uh that pressure, the external pressure of uh, having to find somewhere because you got a job starting or having to find something because school is starting for your children 
can be a determining factor for what you settle and how much you give into the negotiation. But having said, said that, then you also got financial constraints, which is discovering that the other party is dealing with budget rest- restrictions or financial hardship, for example, can reshape the negotiation strategies. There's also emotional factors if you think about it. So unveiling un- emotional motivations or fears can offer a new perspective on what the other party values or wishes to avoid, which is dangerous when you bring emotions into it. And a lot of the time, I think people can negotiate with emotions in play, which then makes it well to like it's sentiment. <laughs> and if sentiment's all they, they're focused on, then you can leverage that too. I, I hate that all of my examples have been property related, but the next one is going to be as well. <laughs> so this is a change in leadership or policy, right? So learning about a forthcoming change in the other party's organization can alter the course of your negotiation. And the reason why I refer back to property again is because there has been quite a shift in uh, policy regards to landlord. Landlords having to bring up their uh, their houses to a certain compliance when it comes to a house efficiency, but also looking at how much they get taxed if they've got uh, passive income from the properties coming in. And this particular piece of information is causing landlords to come out of the housing market. So as a consequence of that, if you get a hold of that bit of information or if you think strategically, that can help in the negotiation process because it means that the landlord, for example, may be looking to sell and accept a lower offer. But that also leads into the eighth point, which is about regulatory or legal issues. So unearthing pending legal or regulatory changes that could impact the other party might open new avenues for negotiation. So being aware of what's happening in their personal life or just in general can then give you the one up of saying you can foresee something's coming. All of these, I think, work with properties, but they also work with just deals being made, right? And just having that ability, like you can always tie more than one together. The chance of that is just one of these is if in your favor, maybe. But if you're able to get multiple, so for instance, you build the personal relationship, but you're also where they have legal issues coming. You're like, I can help you with this. And you might have a hidden agenda. <laughs> or they might have one even. But it's all the factors that you can take in to make yourself have that power dynamic and hold the black swan. And, and I think that's when being a good listener really helps. Or not even a good listener, a great listener. Because you can hear for some of the comments being made or some of the conversation being made with the other party and you can start understanding what the dynamics are. So mm-hmm. for one of the ones that really comes to play here is uh, unmet needs or problems. So for example, discovering a problem that the other party has that your product or service can solve, which they haven't even considered, could change everything. Mm-hmm. And this really comes into play if you're looking for a service, right? So we are hosting a podcast on a particular platform and we use another platform to, to do a recording. Suddenly, if uh, a new platform came around and offering us this the, the solution to all the problems that we're encountering and also reducing the price, suddenly the, uh, it would blow our mind in a way and we will could even consider moving all our episodes onto these other podcasts, which has happened in the past, that we move things around. And under, having that understanding of, uh, of the market and being able to offer that solution really does help the negotiation. But also, I think playing into the podcast piece, if and this is number 10 as well, if they were aware of our future plans or strategies, stumbling upon this confidential information about the other party, or in our case, us, uh, th- those plans could 
offer them an unexpected upper hand. Suddenly they're like, oh, we can give them this price because then it gives you the future. In fact, when talking about our podcast specifically, when I explain where I want to go, the amount of times uh, services try and upsell me because they're like, you know, it might not be there yet, but we'll take you. <laughs> Once they and it's there's usually unearthing questions. If you've had to do any questions before purchasing the service, um, they try and find out what your future plans are because that information does one they'll say help aid you, but two allow them to have better leverage in terms of what they can provide to you. And same for yourself. If you're ever in a circumstance where you are having to negotiate for whatever the purpose may be, being able to uncover what their maybe secret future plans are, i.e., for instance, when I'm talking about the crystals, knowing that that person was going to sell it for such a high amount later on down the line may have increased the amount that that woman would sell it for to them. And it would have been at a, yeah, it's still a win-win in a case, but they wouldn't have got such a high markup <laughs> on their sales because they had to pay more firstly for it. And that's where it's key. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want your own crystal, please go to www dnedlemovingcrystals.co.uk I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> you should have just said our website. They could have checked with those crystals there. And they're flying around. <laughs> but no, yeah, that kind of brings us to the end of our three-part series on the book Never Split the Difference uh, by Chris Voss. We very much enjoyed it, and that's why we've decided to break it down into digestible chunks, and hopefully you've got some tips, skills, and tricks from it, and you get to utilize them, or at least be aware when people are using them against yourself, because they are. <laughs> they might not know the name or the nomenclature for it, but they probably and most likely are. And I think what you just said is very, very true, because um, sometimes those tricks are played on us, and being aware that they are being used against us makes us more relaxed in the negotiation process, and we don't fall into the pressure of saying yes to that house or to that car that you can't afford. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. Remember, black swans are the unforeseen or neglected nuggets of information that can dramatically pivot negotiations. So like Valerio says, active listening, probing, observing, you just increase your chances of finding these invaluable pieces of insight. After all, in the world of negotiation, knowledge truly is power. And in this world, knowledge is just power in general. <laughs> So with that said, uh, I, of course, have been your host, Mark Jason. And the co-host, Valerio Tommaso. And as always, till next time, make sure you buy your crystals and... <laughs> At theneedlemovers.xyz, <laughs> for sure. We will be selling crystals one day. No, wait, I just realized we actually do sell stuff eventually. <laughs> Our stuff isn't crystals. They're like magic balls. Don't worry about it. Adios. <laughs> it sounds like you're selling meth crystals. <laughs> Speaking of our last episode, you and Matt, man, you got something in common you need to tell the audience. It's real juicy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>